Welcome to Woven Conversations. I'm your host, Michelle Meinhart. I have a series of conversations happening here with several of my friends with a variety of perspectives. Today, I could sit down with Holly Schweitzer-Dunn. She's a therapist at MindBody Health Associates, helping people work through issues of mental health and well-being. We got to talk about what it is to listen to your body. I hope you enjoy this episode of Woven Conversations. Hi, Holly. Hi, Michelle. Thanks for coming to visit today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. I have so thoroughly enjoyed so many conversations with my friends. I have to say that when I made my list of who I would want to come and talk to, you were right up there. Aww. I thought, Holly has such interesting perspective. You have such an interesting job. <laughs> I think that's because I'm opinionated. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why I love it. So uh, I am super excited to have you here and just talk through whatever arises. So I'm glad to be here. Let's begin. Well, to get started, I wanted to throw some questions your way. Okay. Uh, perhaps folks don't know you and might just want to get to know you a little bit by way of really not so much meaningful stuff, just something that kind of brings out some conversation. So okay. uh, first, let's see, if you could spend your days doing anything, what would it be? Cooking. I love to cook. It is a stress reliever. I love also to eat. So <laughs> one well. leads to the other. Yes. Um, I love to grow my own garden. I'm not great at it, but I make it work. Oh, I love to go to, fabulous. to farmer's markets. I love to go to fancy grocery stores and ethnic grocery stores and just find whatever's there and create. Oh, and that's so fun. spend my day cooking. So I've eaten some of the things that you have made. And you make... Not just really tasty food, but like beautiful food. Like there's no just like tossing a few things in a salad here. No. Like everything aligns so I, wonderfully. I never considered myself a creative person. Now that I know myself better, I realize this is part of how my creativity comes yeah. out. I also realize I'm a very visual person. Uh, I have a visual uh -huh. memory. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I yeah. just like everything in my mind is in pictures and that then just comes out. Okay. Well, on that same vein, then, I'm dying to know. So if you were at a restaurant, a new restaurant that you're not familiar with, mm -hmm. but you're on a timeline to order, somebody's kind of keeping yeah. you moving, what two keyword ingredients are you looking for to figure out what you're ordering? Today, those two words would be goat cheese and pine nuts. <laughs> My husband, if he hears this, will <laughs> laugh at what I'm about to say because it is so true and so me. I, at various times in my life, um, attempted to wait tables. I was never very good at it. But as a social worker, you never make any money. So I had to always have a second job when I lived in big cities. And I learned that if there are ingredients on the menu, mm -hmm. They can throw them together in a different configuration uh -huh. and make me exactly what I want to eat. Uh -huh. So often I am scanning the menu for different ingredients. Yeah. And then I think of how I want them to go together in my head. And I ask the waiter if that can happen. And <laughs> usually it can. I love <laughs> and I don't mean to be high maintenance. <laughs> I tell myself I'm not. I get that that might be coming across as not exactly true. Uh, it's just I like good food and I like combinations and yes. I know how I like them together. I love it. Yes. My two words that I have, my go-to, uh, are not nearly as healthy as yours. I always look for avocado or covered in queso. Oh, Those are my go-tos. Yeah, um, yeah. We had Mexican a couple of nights ago. Queso, obviously, uh -huh. was always, the additional add-on. Always add -on. the queso. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, what 
book or podcast are you currently recommending to people? I have a stack seven books tall on my nightstand. I am notorious for reading one book, getting bored with it, or finding another that sounds exciting and starting that one. And so it takes me sometimes a year to read a book, uh-huh. but that's because I'm reading so many at once. Um, I'm reading Your Brain on Food, which Ooh. I know I sent you a picture of. Uh-huh. It is written by a Harvard-trained psychiatrist and chef yes, um, and nutritionist. Yes. And it is, it's amazing. It is everything we do in our business that we'll get into later, but talking about how what you put in your body matters. Yeah. And we are such a culture where we just like throw mm-hmm. unhealthy stuff because it's quick or convenient into our bodies and we don't pay attention to how it makes us feel. Yeah. Um, which is really silly if you think about it. Uh, and so she just breaks it down. And I don't always necessarily agree that where someone is educated is super important, except sometimes yeah. when it's a place like Harvard, it just yeah. has street cred and you don't have to like yeah. explain much more. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fabulous. So you mentioned already that you feel like you're just very opinionated and you're willing to share those opinions, which <laughs> is, is one of those already? things that I love. We were in the office one day and you made a statement about how every woman should own a shirt with a particular collar. I don't even know what kind of collar. Well, I'm wearing it today. I, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So my question is not about collars or even perhaps clothing. I don't know. Maybe it is. Um, what is one thing that you would want for all women? That you feel like this is a Hollyism. Your recommendation is all women should. All women should know their value and worth and speak it with pride and with dignity. Do not let yourselves be silenced and demeaned. Mm. Stand tall mm-hmm. and know you're worth it. Oh, I love it. There's, I, I knew there was a good reason we were having you today. Thanks. Well, that's all I have for my quick little run through here. Now that we're all warmed up. Yeah. Okay, well, I came with some questions for you. So I think I am, I think I'm going to start big, if that's okay. Go for it. What made you know yoga was how you wanted to serve the world? Oh, I love the way you even ask that question. So for my entire, at least adult life, that's memorable, um, my jobs don't, my, my past work history doesn't always have like a big string that brings them together. I worked for a church as a youth director. I went to seminary mm-hmm. and then I worked for a recruitment firm and hired people. Mm-hmm. And then I worked in social media for small businesses mm-hmm. just for myself while I was raising babies. Uh, and then I ended up in yoga. And so as I look back on it, all of those things I can find about anything interesting. That that is probably one of my few gifts is I can be interested in about anything. I would agree with that statement. I'm going to say carpentry would not be one, but you know we renovated our house and I still found some very philosophical lessons. <laughs> when my carpenter was done, you with just me. got excited about putting walls up in your basement. <laughs> this I mean, is true. Yeah. It's true. I really can't find in- anything interesting. Uh, but the one thing that I noticed as um, I was looking through my past and the the ways that I have worked offered something to other people outside my home is there's always just this thread of knowing deep down that inside of all people there is something worth sharing and so all of my work has always been about that whether it was teenagers starting to figure out what that little spark might be that they want to shine 
um, when I was recruiting, it was, it was so fulfilling to like, look at a job description and be like, Oh, that person would. And I still retain a little bit of that. Now when the world feels really heavy, I'll sometimes just get on indeed and like shop for jobs that I know I'll never apply to, mm-hmm. but then I send them to all the people that I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, they would, it would be so, um, and then, and the same thing when I started into social media, um, these businesses that I knew, had this amazing thing to offer. I'm like, oh, you, we've got to elevate that voice. We need to put that out in the world. You need to do more of this. And so yoga just fits in that same thing. It's just very personal. Mm-hmm. And the practice of yoga, learning how to stand in triangle pose is, is nice. It feels good in your body. It has a lot of benefits. But what really happens is giving people time and space to show up to themselves, notice that light that is already shining, and then asking them to think about like, okay, what do you want to do with this next? Yeah. Where, where does this go? I like that. And so I think once I found that in my own self, when the, the practice helped me figure out that that's what I was doing whenever whenever I went somewhere. I like to laugh that I don't really have a really great resume or job description. People just want me in the room when they're talking about stuff. It's because I, I they know that I don't know. I, I just want them to do their thing. You bring an energy. You definitely bring an energy. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I didn't ever necessarily know that this is how I wanted to serve the world. It just fit really well. I yeah. love the practice. I love the teachings. And so, um, it didn't really exist much here in Upper Sandusky. It was around, but a yoga studio was brand new in Upper Sandusky. So I was like, well, why not? Nice. Yeah. Excellent. As a person who has done yoga for years and years and years and has used yoga for many different reasons. Now knowing the common denominator is I just needed to be, mm-hmm. right? I just mm-hmm. needed to learn how to be. Mm-hmm. And it's a spiritual practice for me as much as a physical practice. Um, it's just so healing. And I think yeah. that's wonderful that that's yeah. what you're offering. Well, thank you. Yeah. I, I love welcome. offering it. Yeah. Um, okay. So my next question is related to COVID and the pandemic and things that are scary. Okay. In my practice as a therapist, uh, we use a lot of body work. So Mm -hmm. yoga, breath, movement, just sitting and being with yourself and noticing your heartbeat, for example. Um, We know that the body is what carries trauma. Mm -hmm. And that as a therapist sitting and just talking about trauma with someone doesn't actually bring as much healing as helping them get into their body Mm -hmm. and access that. Mm -hmm. And so that's the basis of this question. Okay. My question to you is, do you believe in conversion experiences? And if so, how do you use yoga to help people connect with and move through somatic and emotional stress? Mm -hmm so much packed in there. Uh-huh. So tell me more about what you mean by conversion. Okay. So that's a psychological term. Okay. Um, it's a little bit dated. There's different terminology for it now, but basically um, a conversion experience is the physical manifestation of emotional stress. Oh, okay. So I will share a little story about myself. Um, on March 13th, when everything shut down uh-huh. because of COVID, I was in my basement moving empty paint cans, and I already shared with you I have done yoga for years and years. I'm relatively fit, and I bent over to open up or to pick up an empty paint can, Mm -hmm. and I couldn't get back up. I now know what it means when people say their back gave out. Uh That is what happened to me. 
I called for my kids who thought I was joking. Um, I'm like, get my cell phone because we have a mutual friend who works for a chiropractor. Mm -hmm. They threw my phone down the basement stairs again because I thought I was kidding. Um, They must not have seen me crying. (laughs) And I texted her and I said, I'm literally stuck in a forward bend. What do I do? So the long and the short of it is she walked me through some different tapping Mm-hmm. to access different meridians and with affirmations and in different kind of self-talk, I was able to eventually stand up again. Oh um, but she said to me, um, after consulting with uh, the chiropractor for whom she works, that your lower back is very much connected to your heart. Mm-hmm. And as I'm sure you know, as a yoga instructor, and I had been, which was so true, she didn't know this, taking on so much of my client's worry and pain and fear, and it was just too much. Uh-huh. So that uh-huh. is an example yeah. of a conversion experience. Okay, okay. Well, then, absolutely. Yes, I, I think that those, thing happen, those things happen all the time. The mm-hmm. way that things are so tied to how we experience the world is in our body, and our body is going to tell us something about how we're experiencing the world. Mm -hmm. And so for sure, I see in our terms, we would call it little T trauma. Yes. As opposed Uh to, you know, Mm -hmm. somebody who has undergone some significant traumas of, what do I, how would I classify big T traumas? Um, Very succinct, especially very succinct moments in time that, um, I don't, how do I want to say it? You would probably have a better qualifier. Like some of those classic often horrific, Mm -hmm. life-threatening, safety-threatening. Living through something that Mm -hmm. was very, uh, I don't know, that you might not have lived through. Yeah. By definition, trauma is something that renders you powerless. Mm -hmm. It is unexpected, so you don't have a plan for how you're supposed to respond to it. And you are either in real or perceived danger. But it. it doesn't matter which, your brain uh-huh. responds in the same way, whether you're really in danger or you, your brain just thinks you're in danger. Oh, okay. I like that definition. Or it could die. That's helpful. So mm-hmm. we've talked through some of that before, um, especially in conversations at the office about big T trauma and small T trauma, where small T trauma is a little bit more like challenging situations that we might not process. That So in your situation, like taking on all of your clients' experiences and carrying that in your heart and not processing that with somebody of the things that you're hearing or what you feel about the things that you're hearing, not even the actual story. It's how is that making you feel? And so I see so many people not spend time just noticing their feelings. And so they carry that in their body. And, and, um, some, for some folks, that means it's kind of a uh, frozen up type of feeling. Mm -hmm. So, you know, shoulders up towards their ears and um, you can notice when they're moving on their mat that things are a little bit more, I would say, like jagged, that it doesn't have that kind of like free flowing. Mm-hmm. So that's one response that I see. Um, I would say that is the number one body memory of mm-hmm. trauma that we carry in our bodies. Is the frozenness. Yeah. If you yeah. think about what you do when you're startled or scared, uh-huh. you it's... hold your breath and yeah. tense up and your eyes mm-hmm. get big mm-hmm. and you don't breathe. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I would say another thing that I see more and more and it's, I would definitely qualify it under the, the small T trauma because I think it's much more about a response mechanism mm-hmm. as opposed to really specific experiences. But I think specifically females have adapted to the world in a way that we are constantly being asked to carry heavier and heavier loads. Mm-hmm. And our go-to is to make it work. 
make it happen. Stretch, move, do whatever we need to. So I see a large number of people. My teacher likes to say that you attract what you are. And mm. so I mm. see this in people because <laughs> really? of what I am. <laughs> hmm. And That's so a real head scratcher, isn't it? <laughs> and so um, but what I see more and more are women who who do. They make it happen. They figure out a way. They 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 pull it all together. And so in their bodies, they're very loose, especially in the joints that they can stretch and bend and move in such a way to like get to where they need to go. It doesn't matter if they're, I mean, they might injure themselves sometimes in doing so because they're not feeling into the pose. They're just going to where they, they're just getting done what needs done. And a lot of times it's because they lack structure and support within their muscular system. And so they eventually can hurt themselves. And, And so I've been seeing more and more of that happening as a habit, as like a learned stress response of Hmm. well this is what I do right now this is how I this is how I respond to things would you say I heard this once I wonder if Mm -hmm. you agree um from a yogic perspective people are usually either flexible or strong I'd say you can put that kind of on a spectrum yeah people will tend towards uh, yeah strong flexibility strength sukhasithra like there's a lot of ways of saying it um and our personalities will generally match some of that. Interesting. Um, I, I joke about it all the time. I am definitely flexible. My sister is definitely strong. We went running together and she's like, let's sprint to the end. And I'm like, let's just see where we end up. That's <laughs> <laughs> fine. <laughs> so um, so you're usually on that spectrum. And you, but really what it's about, it's kind of like the introvert extrovert scale. It's mm-hmm. what's your go-to? Where mm-hmm. are you most comfortable? What are you most habituated to doing and so there's a little bit of that but okay yeah we all have all of it but sometimes our habits are something that are revealing and so as my teacher likes to say as the body so the soul so you can begin to watch patterns of people and how they're moving and you're like oh i wonder what's happening under the surface there what what do we believe about ourselves to be true that make us move in such a way absolutely what do you do with your clients when they start to avoid yoga because they're starting to feel mm. the stuff that they have been suppressing mm-hmm. and it scares them? That's a really great question. Um, well, sometimes I don't know if they're avoiding the practice or avoiding me or avoiding COVID at this point well, in time. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I try really hard to make my place very welcoming and accepting of whatever you're going on. I don't really appeal to this whole good vibes only idea. I feel like whatever you bring is what you bring Mm -hmm. and that's what you have to deal with. So there's no idea that when you walk in the yoga studio that everything's just going to be perfect and fine when you're done. Whatever is, is. But now we're just going to be equipped to deal with it. And so feel what you feel, know what you know, be what you are, and but allow all of it to just own all of it. And then go ahead and move forth in the world. Yeah. That's lovely. That's lovely. Um, You kind of answered this, but you mentioned COVID. So I'll I'll say specific to the pandemic, Mm -hmm. what are you seeing or how are Mm. you seeing or where are you seeing people Mm. carry that, that fear, that Mm -hmm. unknowing in their bodies? I will say there's been a whole lot of struggle to balance. Mm. I the people's ability to oh no you the just body had a knows epiphany. the body knows yes <laughs> uh, I see a lot of a bigger struggle to find balance even in just a standing pose but balance is not about stillness it's not about finding this magical place that everything is perfect. 
Balance is the ability to move from place to place with grace and ease. And I feel like because there's so much unknown currently that moving from one place to the other place gets really tricky and we're scared to do it wrong and we sometimes overcompensate. So we just, we move one direction really strong and then we move to the other direction really strong and then we feel like we're just waffling back and forth. And so it's our, our ability to use smaller reactions and mindfully move towards this place that kind of dances between the two and holds everything in the tension together. That is not one. It's not the other. It's, it's all of it. Yeah. And so with COVID there is with such the divide specifically politically and how that has attached itself to COVID, Mm -hmm. whether or not it's a big deal or not, whether or not we need to do these things or not. uh, I feel like people are struggling to figure out how they want to move between those two ideas. Like, well, what do I believe is true? true about this how do i respond with care and caution without being overwhelmed and and hiding in my basement and never seeing anybody ever again like where is that place that middle air quotes ground middle ground that is both kind of cautious and yet figuring out how to live in this world that we're all in yeah have you seen have you seen that shift since the election Ah, too close to now. Okay. I th- we're, we're, I, I'm hoping there is a general sense. I feel like a little bit more peace. We did the practices that we have been doing lately. I'm actually like elevating that whole sense of unbalance. Like there's just no graceful way to get from the two. That's one thing that to call it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. like, there's no grace there. Like you're just going to have to deal with this messiness is really what I'm throwing on them. But, um, but it's uh, pretty close that since the election is over, like they're still really figuring out some of those things, at least on the mat. And so if that's an indicator of where people are internally. I always say, I'm sure you've heard me say this, but our bodies will get our needs met if we won't do it ourselves. And usually that takes the shape of illness or injury or something Mm -hmm. that like requires you to just be flat on your back for a Mm -hmm. while because Mm -hmm. you are not listening to yourself. Okay, so let me shift gears a little bit here. What is the most common yoga tool you use in parenting and how is it helpful? See, this is a total flip of the tables because I'm usually the one to ask you all of the parenting things. (laughs) So I feel like this is a a little bit unfair because I would just come right back to you and ask you the same question, I'm sure. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what I would say. Okay. And to me, this felt very basic. So I almost didn't ask you this question. Okay. But then I thought, why not? Uh, I would say breath. Mm -hmm. I personally find myself taking many, many, many (laughs) deep breaths and find them very helpful and slowing down the whole process. Yes. Um, But beyond that, Mm-hmm. I mean, you've talked about yeah. flexibility, which certainly yeah. is essential yeah. with parenting. Um, mm-hmm. There's so many things I think that fit. Oh, my but- gosh. Yes. Th- my my knee-jerk reaction would be there's nothing a deep breath can't cure. Mm. So just okay. being able to settle into that is my, my first one. But I think even beyond that, one of the things that yoga has taught me and what I try to carry into how I raise my kids even from my own personal perspective toward my kids is that remembering that there's so much more to them than what I see, that there's so much hidden under the surface that they all have these gems to share with the world. And my job right now is to just help them feel comfortable enough to dig in there and find them, to to try things out, to see how they feel, to ask them, well, how does that make you feel? What do you enjoy? What, what lights you up? And, 
even especially probably when they're behaving in ways that just mm-hmm. I have to remind myself that they're more than behavior. They're more than yeah. whatever is going on here. They're more than their grades and their achievements and anything else they offer. There's something hidden in there that is that's theirs to share with the world. And so when I can step back and remind myself that that's who they actually are, yes, all those other things and how they treat me is also you know, a part of the picture, but I really, it it takes me, because I can think about that with all of my yogis. And if I can begin to look at them in that same way, like, oh, there's something in there and I can't wait to see when it really starts to come out. We're early in the process at this point, but you kind of have to hold out the the hope that it's coming down the pike. So nice. Well, Holly, thank you so much for coming and joining us here and sharing. I love all of the wisdom that you regularly give. I feel like you gave so much more (laughs) even, and you're asking no questions. So I appreciate you. Uh, Until the next time, namaste.